Stretch Four Podcast, your weekly look at hoops, hip-hop, culture, and life. From yeah. you-know-who, it's me, Aaron Herzog. And me, Keenan Willis. Keenan, how's it been since last week when we asked ourselves which NBA team should buy and which NBA team should sell? You know, it's been good, man. Um, I can't complain. I can't complain, you know? Did you uh did you have any major um any major changes it to any of the teams in the last week? Anything happen? Um, you know, the only the only thing I've I've thought about uh is what should Memphis do? Um, you know, we kind of talked about the the weird spot that they're in. Um, and you know, the Homer in me, uh, has, has found a way to, uh, to potentially help them out as well as potentially help out a couple of other teams, uh, in the NBA as well. If, uh, if you'll indulge me on a, a potential trade idea. Okay. Let me hear it. So I love it. Coming in, coming in prepared. Yeah, coming 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 in hot. Um, so here's what I'm thinking, right? Uh, you know, we talked about we talked about the weird position that Memphis is in, right? And um they are hard capped um next year and they've got an expiring contract that's pretty good. Um and I'm wondering if they're gonna have enough money to not necessarily have enough money to to pay them next year, but if they'll if they're gonna want to, um and I'm, I'm I'm thinking about uh, Dylan Brooks here. So, okay, somebody um, who might get lost in the shuffle. Yeah, you know, great player, um, but uh, and and it's still very young. But like, you know, he, he's probably going to make more money than they want to give him uh, in free agency. So they've kind of got a weird choice on him. It's it's you know, do we? Do we gamble and trust that he's coming back on a hometown discount? And obviously, you know, I'm not privy to any conversations that they're having with him or anything <laughs> like that. But um, you need to get you know. that. Uh, you need to get that disclaimer out. We're not in the circles. Yeah. You know, we're not texting <laughs> yeah. with NBA uh, no. NBA executives. You know, we're not. No, not yet, at least. You know, not yet, not yet. Yeah, our, um, our contacts in the NBA world haven't reached there. But you know, stretch for podcast. We're on our way. I, I, you know what, honestly, like, I, I feel like between the two of us, we're probably like two degrees of separation away. I don't think we're a direct line, but like, yeah, it's pretty close. Yeah. We probably have connections who have connections. Exactly. I mean, def, I definitely have connections who have connections to the NBA. Yeah. I'll, I'll say that for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I'm thinking about Dylan Brooks, right? Um, and then I was thinking about another team, the Chicago Bulls, who, you know, we kind of talked about probably in their best interest and maybe maybe look to blow things up a little bit. Because, like, you know, where, where are they really going with the roster that they have right now? Yeah. Um, and then lastly, our Philadelphia 76ers uh, who need to do a little bit of consolidation, right? Uh, we There's not a ton of, 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 you know, moves to make on the edge. We've made a lot of moves over the last few years, but there's – there's a couple of players that could be consolidated in one contract, et cetera, for, for financial reasons. So, so you're coming in with a three teamer. It's a, it's a three team deal. Yeah. Here's, here's what I'm proposing. So, uh, and I, I'm, I'm going to look at, look at my notes here just to make sure I get this right. We've got 
the Philadelphia 76ers uh, acquired Dylan Brooks. Uh, Had a feeling this that's where this yeah. is going. Yeah. Uh, Memphis acquires DeMar DeRozan. Ooh. Um, and then the Bulls get uh, Danny Green's expiring contract. Furkan Korkmaz from the Sixers. Matisse Thibel from the Sixers. Uh, they get Killian Tilly from uh, Memphis just for financial reasons. They also then get Memphis's, uh, well, actually, they get Golden State's 2024 first-round pick uh, okay. via Memphis. Uh, and they also get the Sixers' 2023 second-round pick, uh, which is, you know, via a handful of teams. It could be Atlanta, Charlotte, or Brooklyn, depending on, you know, who has uh, – probably charlotte if we're if we're guessing but um here's what i'm thinking you get rid of matisse and fur consolidate that contract into one into one player basically yeah you get rid of one player who can't play offense and one player who can't play defense for a player who can do who could who could do both Yeah, yeah exactly uh but like you look at you look at brooks on paper like I think he's a better player in real life than he is on paper. Like he he doesn't he doesn't shoot it particularly well. Yeah, uh-huh. But he passes the um, eye test. Yeah. When you watch he, him but, you're but like score. that's a guy I would like to have on my basketball team. Exactly. He's a and solid player. Shots, yeah. Given shots he's going to score. Um he's and, not going to hurt you, know, you. No. No. And defensively he'll stay on the floor. Like he's a he's a defensive dog for you. Yeah. Uh, you know, you get the the luxury that you have in in Thibel, um with with some offensive output. Uh Memphis gets their Batman. Or their Robin. Their Robin? Yeah. I I mean yeah. that's that's the only question. I like it from I like it for every team from certain angles. The sure. one question is is Memphis going to do it like does it make sense for them from like a from like a general manager like they're the team i worry says no and it might be because they don't think they're going to lose dylan brooks or they think maybe they could sign and trade him because they don't Mm -hmm. give up you know losing dylan brooks is is big it's definitely a loss but getting back to rosen is like you know basically dylan brooks's ceiling He's a step up for now. He's older. Yeah. He's got you know sure. less time. But if you think you're losing Dylan Brooks, then it makes DeRozan's sense. there for two years. You know, Dylan Brooks is expiring. You know, you at least have DeRozan for the rest of this season and the following one. And that doesn't mess with their cap or whatever. Like, where do you where do you find these cap numbers? What website do you use to look at like upcoming? Uh, Cap so numbers spot, for teams. I use uh, what is it? Spot Spot Track. Okay, yeah. Or Spo Track, whatever, whatever the the site is. Yeah. Um, to look at that, and then um, also just using um, the the NBA trade machine, not ESPN's, but uh, the one that is on uh, Fanspo as well. Okay, so yeah, Spot Track is like it's definitely a site that I've been on and then forget every time I need I want to look up something <laughs> like this. Right. Right, but right, yeah, right. it shows you their current contract, salary cap, what they have on mm-hmm. the books for upcoming years. Right. Does right. it have does it does it allow you to kind of do I guess the the trade uh the trade machine does that, right? It it tells yeah. you if the trade works monetarily. 
And I'm almost certain they're they're running off of the same database. Okay. In terms in terms of uh in terms of cap information. So um yeah. That's the the yeah, the only the only weird throw in is is Killian Tilly, who is now, just so there for, for financial reasons. Yeah. Are the my concern again, are the Grizzlies going to be able to keep Dylan Brooks under some sort of like bird bird rule they do have his bird rights yeah they so have they have his bird, his bird rights. rights they're hard so are they allowed to go like over the they are I... hard capped they're hard they... how are the how are the grizzlies hard capped that's what how i was trying money to figure out Stephen adams make you look at their you look at their roster and you're like nobody's over 24 yeah like, who, where are the where are the where's the money uh so jaws on a second contract Let's see. So you look at you look at them. I guess Jaws in the first year of a second contract. Uh, Jaron Jackson, Jaren Jackson. Jr. is already getting paid. Yeah, Brandon <laughs> Clark. I guess is Brandon Clark is in his second contract, but he's not getting paid that much. He's getting twelve a year. Stephen yeah, Adams Ty is Jones getting makes a lot of money for them for some. Stephen reason. Adams is getting seventeen a year. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah, it's it's yeah, odd. they got I mean, a lot of guys have... in that. They got a lot, they have like a you know, a handful of guys in that like 17 to 12 10 range, and right. that's where a lot of that money's going, right? And you know, they've got that, um, they've got that Danny Green contract sitting there too, so yeah, and that's yeah, mil. that's one of the ones in the 10 mil, yeah. I don't know, I uh, like it. I like it for all three teams. The Bulls, you know, the Bull I you know, the Bulls get a first round pick. And, and they the thing get is the, the Bulls probably think they, they could probably get more. Uh but Edmund? I mean you're giving them a lot of little pieces, you know? Yeah. yeah like yeah, would yeah. they rather get two first round picks would they rather get three first round picks than like you know Ferk and and matisse and whoever the young player you threw in from the Killian tilly you the that that stud yeah Killian uh, well, so, tilly is that a, re- a real person that or is, is that like that some is, sort of irish not a 2K player is that like some sort of like irish folklore name <laughs> Yeah, it does. It, it sounds like a whiskey. I yeah. mean, like, <laughs> give me three fingers of Killian Tilly on the rocks, please. But I mean, listen, if they if they wanted more, in theory, Memphis is pick rich. You know, like, are they're a young team, sure. So it depends on it. It all depends on like what their mindset is. If they're trying to win relatively soon. You can probably afford to to part with some of their picks. I mean, they have they have their first round pick next year, which I I can't imagine they're they want to part with. But then they've got two seconds next year as well. They've got their own first, um, as well as Golden State's first in twenty twenty four, as well as two seconds in twenty twenty four. They've they've got their you know they've, they've got their first every every year at least through 2029 um so they got plenty of picks yeah i don't know it's just just a thought just a thought 
I don't hate it. I'm sure there's low. I'm sure there's tinkering that can be done. Sure. You know, sure. from the people who who really get into the weeds with the salary cap and the the NBA, but I don't hate it. Yeah, I, I, it feels like something that everyone could be okay with. Uh, it just all depends on where Chicago and Memphis yeah. see themselves. Yeah, the more I think about it, the more like the Bulls might need a little bit more convincing or tinkering on on their end yeah. of like what they get in terms of like another pick or something in return. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, honestly, you could even move Voose. But I love I love Dylan Brooks on the Sixers. He fits what uh what Joel's looking for. He's another dog for the team, you know. Yeah. That's really my main concern, just getting getting him getting him someone like him, something like and, that on the Sixers. I mean, honestly, it's a gamble cuz he's an expiring contract. So, yeah, yeah, you know, you're Exactly. You really could just be giving away Matisse and and Ferk for nothing depending on what happens with that team. Well, yeah, depending on what happens with the with the rest of the season, you know. Yeah. Does he does Dylan Brooks? I mean, here's the thing. I think Dylan Brooks moves the needle towards an NBA title this year. He moves sure. it closer than having Burke sure. and uh and Matisse. Yeah. Both of them. Honestly, you could you could even um it, it like lets you kind of reunite him and uh and Melton. Uh and you could truly just have uh Tyrese come off the bench. Yeah. And be like mm-hmm. a bench score. He could be. Yeah. Which they've been experimenting with a little bit lately. Yeah. So, yeah. Something to think about. I like it. I like it. Speaking about the Sixers bench, one of the, uh, one of the things I, I wanted us to talk about this week was a point that Spike Eskin made on the most recent, uh, rights to Ricky Sanchez podcast. Yeah. I texted you about it. Did you listen to it after I told you? I, li- I listened to just just that little uh, just that just bit. little segment, yeah. But Spike Eskin just had a kind of a throwaway observation slash line in the latest uh, Rice to Ricky po- Sanchez podcast, which I told you, and I'll tell all our listeners right now. I think is where he's at his best. I think, yeah. it, like, yeah. he, when he is not trying to have a big take on something, and he just kind of lets his basketball subconscious uh, come mm-hmm. out in like an observation is where he actually makes his best takes and observations. And when he's like reaching to, he, he, he's a try hard when he tries hard and (laughs) it, it, you can, you can feel it a little bit, you know, it's, it's in his blood. It is in his blood. It's his, it's his radio (laughs) blood. It's nature and nurture for spike. He, I don't blame him, you know? Yeah. Uh, But what he said, they were talking about the Sixers, their bad luck in playoff, uh, you know, the history of their playoff runs in recent years, yeah. um, how all they, you know, a few years, like all they would have needed was like a better backup center, how bad they are when Embiid's off the floor. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Spike just let fly. He was just like, yeah, but like the Cavs never had a great backup for LeBron. The Warriors never had a great backup for, uh, for Steph Curry. Yeah. So it's yeah. like, I see where he's coming from. And it was like, I I like this as an observation. If 
if hey we never had a great backup center is the re- is like what we're like leaning into so hard as Sixers fans yeah. to be like that's our only excuse for like not winning we need to look at a lot of other things and it's like it's yeah. overcompensating it's hanging on to like the process it's hanging on to the we were right mentality to yeah, to sure. like keep saying like oh a backup center is what stopped us and you know maybe you know some of that has to do with Embiid's health which mm-hmm. isn't you know what I mean yeah uh uh the Cavs never had a backup a great backup for LeBron the Warriors never had a great backup for Curry but they also didn't miss parts of series because somebody punched them in the face uh right. or they right. w- were weren't shitting their pants you know what i mean right like- <laughs> right right absolutely yeah it's it's not like you know these the situations that we've kind of put ourselves in have have just been a hundred percent unfortunate luck uh you know i i like to go back to um to the the toronto series and everyone looks at like, oh, if that ball just bounces a couple, you know, a, a different way, the the Sixers are in the Eastern Conference Finals. Embiid, we still had to lose a couple of games to well, get to games. We seven. lost a couple games, and we lost games because Embiid was out. I still, I remember watching yeah. that series. The Sixers were very clearly a better team when yep. Joel Embiid played. And when yep. he was at full strength, which was yep. only two games in that series, you know, right. like right. he missed, <laughs> exactly. I think he missed a game or two and he was like sick. He had like a stomach flu, yeah, you know, yeah, for yeah. like at least one or two games. And they were, they were like hands down, clearly the better team to a team that mm-hmm. went on and won the NBA title. But right. yeah. Right. And yeah. kind and of we, the same yeah. last year against Miami. Right. Right. I mean, they, yeah, they th- ran out of gas, you know, but like he yeah. missed those first two games. He came back, he gave him the energy and then they ran out of gas. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, I, I, it was unpopular then, but I'm still going to repeat it. My take on this Embiid's injury was preventable last year. Oh, definitely. So like, it's, it's, it's frustrating. It's frustrating. Like, I it's, oh, it's super frustrating. Cause I understand it from both sides. The Sixers no, for sure. uh, classic, classically blow leads. They classically yeah. like let teams back in games mm-hmm. that they shouldn't. So you want to close out that series str- strong. Mm-hmm. You don't want to yeah. give another team a chance to like steal a game and momentum away from you in the, in the playoffs, especially, but yeah. the play, but the, the, the way you do it is by letting yourself like, you know what I mean? Like he can be, he can be in the game and still not take that hit. Well, so here's the thing. It's not even the, it's not even the, uh, the bench management or lack thereof or like keeping him away. It, 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 I, I put a lot of the blame solely on Joel himself and how demonstrative he was in the moment. Uh You got to recognize who you are to your team. Yes. Yeah. The, that's what I'm the saying. Thought, and the thoughts, but, but not only that, but just also the thoughts of a team that's about to lose a series. Mm-hmm. And that's yeah, where already they're a dirty hard. team to begin with. Yeah. Uh-huh. Like that, I, to me, I'm just like, you kind of, I'm not going to say you deserve that, but you kind of put yourself in a situation where like, 
I mean, ah. yes. Yeah, if you're in you the know. game, if you're Joel Embiid and you're in the game at that at that time, in that situation, you're about to close out a series, you're up 20 or whatever, more than 20, I think, you give about 55% effort. That's yeah. all you need. You just and need to be you just need to be in there. You don't act yes, exactly. You don't yeah, uh-huh. But I that's not who he is. That's that's not that's, who he you, is. You take, the, you take the good with the bad, you know. And we kind yeah, we we love we love him for that reason, you know. We love yeah. his his you know antagonizing the crowd, bringing it on antics. Yeah. But yeah. then it you know when a team that was about just to... a situation where like I felt like a parent being like, I fucking told you, yeah, <laughs> told you not to do that. <laughs> I told you you were going to get hurt doing that. Yeah, like, I told you, you, know, you kept doing situations. that. You were going to fall and bust your ass. Yeah. And you fell and busted your ass. And like, yeah, I feel bad. I love you. I love you. I feel bad that sure. you're hurt. Absolutely. Uh, I am hurt. But also you're lear- like, you're learning. And now we both got to leave the party. Yeah. I got to exa- take yeah. you to the hospital now. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. Exactly. We both. Yeah. And we're, this hurts us both. And I wish we yeah. didn't have to do this. I was having a good time. I wanted more from us. Yep. Yeah, I know you wanted more. Yeah, yep, that's. But you had to show off. <laughs> you yeah. had to be a big shot. Billy Joel Embiid. Yeah, but when it, yeah, when it comes to it, it's like, yeah, backup center is is important, but uh, but like. Ultimately, I, it comes down to you know that's not that I couldn't tell you the Lakers backup point guard. You're not gonna for, behind Magic. You're I, not I gonna tell win. you who's coming off. You know, yeah, you're not. All these you're, greats. That's not the win or lose. You know, yeah. if Embiid's yeah. out, you're not going to win anyway. No matter who your backup center is, right. right, right. Because how how good can a backup truly be when they're asked to replace a superstar? You yeah. Know? Like, uh-huh. it, it, there's going to be a huge drama, and of course, was it was it Bobby Marks uh, in the in the ESPN deadline that said uh, deadline preview? I was like, yeah, if the Sixers just make a move for Boban, <laughs> that's the move they should make. And I was like, no, <laughs> no, that's not the move we should make. Would I be mad at Boban? No, I wouldn't be. I wouldn't be pissed, but like, that's not going to get us over the hump. Yeah. That's not that's not what we're missing. No. No, I don't think it's all that uh I don't think he's the missing piece. No. No, not at all. It's been a while since we talked hip hop on the podcast. It's right it there has, in the description. Hoops yeah. hip hop culture life. We had the we had the big we had the big goat and boat episode, which was fully dedicated to hip hop. Yes. Yes. And uh, you know, it's been it's been a few while uh, a little while since we've had something to talk about. Mostly because we're old and we don't pay attention to things that are in the news. There were definitely. <laughs> I mean, I'm not saying there's not hip hop news going on in the past month. There's plenty. There's, there's plenty, plenty, but yeah. none that we really care about. And how much? Here's the thing, how much has affected us? Yeah. I'm not gonna force myself to care or talk about things where I'm like out of my out of my league when I talk about it. You right. know what I mean? Right. Like I'm not yeah. going to try to like I'm not going to try to like cram in information about like you know like like Meg's trial. You know what I mean? Where like I don't know anything 
And then like, I don't have enough background information. And then I sound dumb when I talk about it, you know, I'm not going to do that. There's not that much to analyze in that case. You're not missing much as it was pretty, it was pretty straightforward. Yeah. But like, that's, yeah, exactly. I'm not going to, I'm not going to force myself to talk about things where I like, where like my ass is out, you know, (laughs) voluntarily (laughs) put my ass out there. But what yeah. we can talk about is the new Black Thought track and project that's yeah. coming out soon. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's got me excited. I'm, I'm glad you you brought this to to my attention because, like, if I'm being quite honest, was not on my radar. Which shame on you, Spotify, for not telling me. I only saw it on uh, on Thoughts Instagram. Mm-hmm. I saw mm-hmm. him post about it and. You know, so I went to my I went to my Apple Music. We we love all the streamings, <laughs> the, <laughs> the streaming yeah. uh, services around here. You know, we're we're one of yeah. each. But yeah, it's a listen to it. Uh, mm-hmm. And the uh, the first the first single, the first track from his uh, from his new project, Glorious Game, is out. The track is grateful, and yeah, I'm feeling it. I mean, yeah, no, I, I like not, it. How could I not feel a, a black dot, a black dot uh, project? No, I, I, I like the, uh, I like the production. Um, Love the production, and yeah. I was not aware of the producer before this. No, complete, Michael's completely, affair, complete unknown to me. Put him on my radar, which is like, which is what I'm looking for these days yeah. i want artists who i know and love to put me on to <laughs> artists that i have no idea who they are yep yep no, that's where I'll, i'm I'll at in my that. in my hip-hop in, in my hip-hop fandom yeah yeah um thought um thought has a line in there where he uh he references um richard Pryor's movie um I'm just gonna call it Jojo Dancer. I know that's not the full name. It's like your your life on stage, Jojo Dancer, or something like that. But um, that's pretty much a guaranteed way for me to like a song because I can't think of many songs that reference uh, that movie, and pretty much all of them I enjoy. I think off the top of my head, um, there's a there's a song on clips is hell hath no fury where uh where push t references that too um it's almost a guaranteed guaranteed like from me it's a good catch yeah it, you know it's it, because it, it's it's one of those where it's like it's not that it's not that common of a of a reference um so when any anytime it's, for those I hear who don't that, know, it's, it's notable. Uh, yeah, it's it's Richard Pryor's like basically autobiographical film. Yeah, yeah. He plays a a, a popular stand-up comedian who uh, burns himself free basing cocaine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hard hard to hide hard to hide behind uh, you know a story with that with that one. I remember my introduction to Richard Pryor was superman 3 i don't know if mm, many okay. people are uh our age have the same have the same experience because <laughs> like i don't like my mom did not have like richard pryor albums my mm. mom was more of a cosby album person than a richard pryor yeah. album mom you yeah, know? yeah 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 uh 
And funny how I, that turned out. Yeah, really. <laughs> but I, I mean, especially because I remember, I remember like really enjoying Richard Pryor's performance in the movie as like a kid. Like he's yeah. kind of funny, yeah. he's silly. He's just he's a like, funny guy. Yeah, like a bad. He's a bad guy who like then teams up with Superman. So you like, you're like, ah, oh, he's a good guy now. You know, it's <laughs> yeah. You know, he's he's doing right. He's like a computer nerd. Like that's his that's his role <laughs> in the movie. Um, and I just remember my mom telling me about him as like, oh, he's a guy. Like he's like he had this big like issue with drugs. You know what I mean? Like he, you know, she told yeah. me about like the bur- like the burning himself thing, and it just made me like want to find out more about him as like a kid i got like obsessed with richard pryor hmm. and then like he became like you know i like seeked out his stand-up i like you know bought his like the one season of his sketch show on dvds like when i got older yeah yeah and then like just you know like downloaded illegally downloaded the his box set of all of his all of his stand-up comedy albums would like listen to them and it's like just something where it's like i'm still in awe of it because it's so it's so it's great and it's something that i can't do like th- what he does is something that i cannot do as like yeah, a, yeah. and i don't just mean say the end <laughs> I, was, I was gonna say there's a couple there's a couple things in there yeah 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 no, I just mean the way that he performs, the way he tells a story, the way he like weaves in and out of things, yeah, his like no, his like complete like com- like how he's comfortable with these things. It's just like, yeah. Yeah. Spe- speaking of prior, this is something that came up this week. Um I think on like I saw either an Instagram post or a TikTok or something. Um uh, did you know Pryor had a a children's show? In 1984, for like a season. No, what? Uh, it, what was it? It's called Pryor's Place, uh, and it was on CBS. For is it a like season. a? Is it like a uh, uh, Pee Wee Herman's like playhouse kind of thing? Uh, like... Sorta. It, it's like closer to Sesame Street. Okay. Um, but uh, yeah, I saw a couple of. Um, I saw like not even a couple. I think I just saw one clip from it. Uh, and it was like relatively good. I mean, I'm <laughs> just looking in it terms up of right like now. being a kid's show. Apparently Lily Tomlin was in it. Henry Winkler was in it. Sounds about right. Theme uh, song was by uh, Ray Parker Jr. Yeah. Of, of is, Ghostbusters fame. Is it just, I feel like this is part of like Richard Pryor and, and Bill Cosby's like, strange uh strange rivalry you know their professional arts kind of win well yeah across a little bit there well like richard Pryor, you know because like like bill cosby had like you know the cosby kids he had like fat albert things like that and richard Pryor was like motherfucker i could do this too you know what i mean like i'm not just yeah 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 you know, I'm not. I'm not, not just, just the dirty the, guy. The like, dirty yeah. guy. You know, like I can, I can yeah. get into your lane too. Yeah, I want to know more. I want to know more about the the dynamic and the relationship between Richard Pryor and Bill Cosby, because it seems like I'm, a it seems like a real love hate thing, right? Well, so yeah, on the surface, well, so I think on the surface it seems it it seemed like it was, but like now you look back at it, there's almost part of it that that if okay if cosby's like behavior was not as 
quiet I think as it was we a, may have think it was. I think yeah. it was an open secret. Yeah. Um, Pryor, and if Richard Pryor had the reputation of being like the bad boy, the you know yeah. what I mean, like the the dirty guy, the bad boy, and then his like main professional rival was like, oh, Mister Family, and it was yeah. an open secret that he was being a monster. Yeah, I would feel some type of way about that if I was if I was Pryor. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh huh. And and if I'm Bill. In that same scenario, I would also probably, you know, go hard on this like holier than thou image and try to shit on everybody else um, to keep my reputation, you know, where where it is and, and try to be above suspicion. It's odd that that works. Yeah. You yeah. Know? Like yeah. it's like the harder you go in the in the like condemning people for certain things like. The more like crucially, people should look at you. Yeah, because it's like, why are you why are you going after this this hard? Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Like, like, what, yeah. What's what's the what's the issue? Unless like things yeah. that don't things that don't really matter. You know, right. yeah. If it's not yeah, if it's not affecting you at all, or like you know, it's not. And yeah, I you know, it's if it's not like a big societal ill. Yeah. Exactly. Then like why 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 you care why why are you care if my man's cursing like just don't don't deal with it yeah he curses like uh, all right so what you you, you know, guys got two different whole, comedy lanes the whole pull your pants up thing yeah don't just don't like really really respectability politics yeah yeah uh huh yeah yeah so I, yeah I, w- I wonder how much you know both of their dynamics play like because you think about um you know eddie murphy um talking about the two of them in in his stand-up and like <laughs> i you know i wonder how much of that is is prior just reacting and be like oh bill's telling you that yeah all right like fuck him yeah uh-huh don't you you might want to uh, take his uh take his stuff with a grain of salt yeah yeah but not if it's salt that he gives you <laughs> Yeah, yeah, nothing, nothing uncovered, nothing un, unop- nothing opened. I'm on yeah. the, uh, I'm on the Priors Place IMDb page now, and a, a few of the uh, Henry Winkler, Pat Morita, Shirley Hempel, Robin I Williams, think Kareem was in an episode, Rip Taylor, John Ritter. As you know, I mean, Richard Pryor yeah. could pretty much get you know whoever he wanted to, of course, come of course. through. Robin Williams, frequent collaborator, because Robin Williams was on the uh, on Pryor's uh, sketch show, right? I think he yes. had a, I think he had a uh-huh. couple appearances. Yeah, it was him and uh, 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 what was her name? Ah, I'm, I'm blanking on it. Shirley? No, not Shirley. Uh, like an '80s, like kind of redheaded, redhead, like comedy. Uh, comedy actress. No. Uh, God damn it! It's gonna. I'm. I'm trying to look it up right now. Um. 80s redhead comedy actress. Yeah, she's in, or maybe she wasn't. Maybe I'm maybe I'm making this up because I'm on uh 
I'm on the Richard Pryor shows, uh, IMDb now, and I'm not finding her. She's in, um, she's in a ton of shit. She's in, uh, the, uh, the Robert De Niro movie that Martin Scorsese, uh, direct. He's at the King of Comedy. Oh, okay. Uh, uh you know, the Robert Scorsese. The uh, Robert De Niro movie that Martin Scorsese directed. Yeah, that that one. That yeah. narrows it down. Sandra Bernhardt. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. That's. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't. Yeah, just really blanked on her name there. I thought she was in the cast, but maybe not. I would believe that. That's not. That sounds about right. Uh, now I'm gonna go off and. Uh, <laughs> now I'm gonna go off and watch a bunch of Richard Pryor stuff and and listen to his albums, and I'm not mad about that. I mean, yeah, there's worse things. There's worse things for sure. Yeah, the uh, the writing staff for this: Sid and Marty Croft, Paul Mooney, obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh yeah, just some heavy hitters in the writers' room for this. Of course, like that's that, yeah, that's that's always I think impressive. Um, and now we're we're getting much more in into your lane than than mine. But like just looking at um looking at the the commonalities between like writing staffs of things that you enjoy, um uh, I think can like be a, a good way to to predict what you also might end up liking in terms of uh in terms of future projects. Oh yeah. Just like, like the just, the names who are like kind of behind the scenes. Yeah. 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 I always I always use that um when when uh when my girlfriend's making fun of Seinfeld. Um because as a as a younger millennial, uh she just has an aversion to anything <laughs> anything nineties. And I like, you know, she loves Greg Daniels. So I'm always like, well, you know, he's he's started on Seinfeld, so <laughs> <laughs> You probably love Seinfeld too. You love yeah. Curb. Why not? Love yeah, Seinfeld? like so many of those. Like it's it's like learning more about like the people who make and write television. Like mm-hmm. learning like how many people just like kind of started like in a writer's room on like a yep. random show. You know, yep. it's just like oh the, the you know the guy who created and and made Arrested Development like started on The Golden Girls and like you know like all the people yeah. who like started in the Roseanne writers room just like cranking out joke after joke after joke. It's like yeah, yeah. To watch like the you know the career arcs of people over over time is pretty pretty wild. Yeah, Kareem was on an episode. Also, Sammy Davis Jr. On an episode of Pryor's Place. Uh, oh man, yeah, I gotta, I gotta watch, I gotta watch more of that. Like it's Pryor. Pryor is an interesting guy, man. Pryor is an interesting guy. Um, yeah. Any more thoughts on the on the upcoming uh, Black Thought project? Um, I mean, you know, I at this point, I <laughs> there's part of me that's like how much more does thought I have left in the tank and not, not like from a, you know, he's getting old or anything, but just because of the volume of like, he's yeah. Prolific that he's had over his career. He's prolific. And, and as we've talked about him uh, and his style, he's relentless. Yeah. He doesn't 
fuck around. He's mach- his he's machine gun spitting on everything. Yeah, it's not like there's wasted bars, you know, like and he's not throwing anything away. And there's not like a whole lot of like there's not a whole lot of like overlap or filler or you know what I mean? Like he's not he's right. not one of those rappers who like kind of spit the same thing. Yeah. Know? Yeah. Um the only commonality thing- is that it's like good. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. His uh he's kind of experimenting on the on the new track with a little bit of a new kind of style and flow. It's like a it's like an offshoot yeah. of his of his typical or like, you know, what what I'm used to recently from thought. Yeah. It's a little bit different. There's a little bit of a different bounce to it and I'm mm-hmm. I'm interested to see how if how that plays out on the full album with the production style that's coming in and I'm going to uh I'm going to familiarize myself with the with the producer who doesn't have a whole lot of projects that I could find right on uh on Apple Music at least. Yeah, that's what and that that kind of confused me too, but also like gave me hope. I don't it's even like know. If I you're... keep calling him the producer. I don't know if it's one dude or if it's like it says it's a band. Couldn't, yeah, it says it's a, so I'm looking it up now. L Michaels affair is a band. So yeah, hmm. it's not just a producer. It's a uh, they're an American cinematic soul group led by New York-based musician Leon Michaels. Oh, okay. So this actually makes a lot of sense now because when I finished listening to the track, uh, it then went to uh, a song from the the Wu Tang show on Hulu. Okay, uh, and that's apparently what they kind of what they do um yeah they went they went out uh they worked with a, a couple of members of of the woo um yeah, they did they, a, a 37th uh, chamber album they toured behind raekwon and other wu-tang members uh recorded the popular yeah. cover album enter this 37th chamber in 2009 yeah. interesting interesting yeah. And then uh, Leon Michaels is apparently he's uh, the leader of the L. Michaels Affair, co-founder hmm. of Truth and Soul Records, of Big Crown Records, a founding member of Sharon Jones and the Dap Kings. It all makes more sense now. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Um, yeah, that's 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 interesting. Um. Going back to a question you asked me a month ago, uh, even more than a month ago, um, Sharon Jones and the Dap Kings uh, Christmas album. Oh yes, was a that was a, that's a that's a good one. That's a that's a really good one. That is a really good one. Yeah. <laughs> did you did I tell you to listen to that or did you just remember? Um. So was like that I, one of the ones that I was like, hey, you got to check this one out. I don't. I don't think so. But oh, okay. it was. It was uh it was one where I I was familiar with Eight Days of Hanukkah, which I believe is the first track on the album, mm-hmm. but I'd never actually like listened to the album straight through. Yeah. Uh and so I finally did last uh last holiday season and it it, it gave me a couple that made the long term Christmas playlist. Oh yeah, which ones? Uh <laughs> so big bulbs uh <laughs> which is a ridiculous song um but uh but that made it and then uh ain't no it, chimneys in the projects 
Ain't no chimneys in the projects. That's that's a good one. Um, I'm trying to remember if it's the uh, if it's just Kyle another Rashid Christmas Jr. song. Just another that's a good Christmas one. Song is great. Yeah, and that's then definitely the a good uh, one. they're yeah. God rest you, Mary Gents is yeah yeah. That's it's just, that's the... it's just a bop. It's just like yeah. uh, you know, it's just that is a groove. Yep. yep. That's that. That's that's what it was. Yeah, yeah. Those are they're all they're all good and track. But this fun, funky little drummer boy, funky little drummer boy is good. I think the only reason that wouldn't make my playlist is I've already got too many little drummer boy related songs on there. Okay, I try to I you know try to spread it out since there's only a handful of of like Christmas classics. Um. I don't want to have too many different versions of the same song on the playlist. I don't I my Christmas my Christmas playlist as I as I've mentioned on on the episode it's enormous. I don't care. <laughs> I'll have I'll have multiple uh multiple versions of of the same song on yep. it. I don't give a shit. Uh I it was a very funny <laughs> scenario happened. I was uh I was listening to it on a drive recently and like let it snow came up like four different versions of let it snow came up in a row like on (laughs) and it was like and it was like they're all none of them were that different it was like frank sinatra dean martin like then yeah you know like just all like those type of guys (laughs) just just like rat pack solo ones yeah Uh um it was just like okay this now it's getting a little strange right 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 oh man no Um, but that that uh that that makes more sense now. Um, the the connection with uh, with the Dab Kings and okay, this makes more sense. I'm even more excited for the the full length project. Full now. Project, yeah, yeah, yeah. Me too. I yeah. uh, I had another thing I wanted to talk to you about. I don't know how deep mm-hmm. we're gonna get into it, but I told you this before. I forget. I forget when I told you this, but I told you it with a little bit of embarrassment. And uh, and it's okay. that I started playing online poker again. No embarrassment whatsoever. But here's the thing: I'm playing free roll online poker. No money mm-hmm. involved. I'm just playing completely, just like play money poker online. And I'll okay. play like you know, I'll play like a tournament or two a day. You know, sometimes yeah. more if I'm like super bored or something like that. But as as I try to do, this is this is the thing about me, Keenan. If I feel like I'm wasting time doing something, which playing online poker for free certainly feels like a waste of time. Uh-huh. Certainly feels like I could be using my time more productively, you know, reading sure. a book, uh, working sure. on a writing project, you know, like doing anything else in the world. I try to think <laughs> uh-huh. about it. I'm just like, okay, how is this benefiting me? What am I getting out of this? Right. Mm-hmm. And uh, in one of my moments of like justifying it to a friend who like saw me playing online poker, there was, are you playing fucking poker right now? And I was just like, yeah, it's just for free. I was trying to tell him, I was just like, all right, it's like, it's kind of like doing a puzzle. I was like, it kind of like stimulates my brain. Like it's got, it stimulates. And they were like, uh, she was like, oh, so it's like Wordle for you. And I was like, yes, exactly. Like kind of, yeah, it's kind of like Wordle, but I'm playing against other live people. So it's like a puzzle that I'm like, you know, playing in so, but it, I really went down a rabbit hole of like what I get out of poker and like mm-hmm. how, uh, like how I can take life lessons from I don't know just anything I do, but in this specific situation, it's poker because that's what sure. that's what I'm thinking about. But I got, 
I got some good stuff, you know? Okay. Your, your Dow of poker. I think so. Yeah. Uh huh. Um, but here are a few lessons that I feel like I've learned about myself. So I was trying to think like, I look at like what kind of poker I like to play and what kind of, of, of poker I'm good at. And it, it's, all Texas Hold'em is what I play, but like format-wise, set up, I think I'm best at multi-table tournaments, and I'm best when the blinds, when you're like deep stacked, when you start a tournament with like a hundred plus big blinds, you know. Okay. And mm -hmm. the big blinds don't progress too quickly, you know. When okay. you when you can play patient poker, because that yeah. plays into that plays into my game, my strategies. Uh, I, it comes into like all about like, like survival, you know, and like, sure. like knowing when to knowing when to make a push, knowing when not to. And I learned this very recently. This is something that I like wrote down. I made a note about it. I was like, I kind of don't care if I'm pushed around. Okay. And I use that as a positive. Like yeah. I will fold in the right circumstances. I don't mind folding the best hand. Like if it's okay. say it's like, say it's like early in a tournament, somebody else like over bets a pot. Mm -hmm. It's not worth yeah. it. Even if I think that like, you know what I mean? Like it would be, it would maybe be like implausible for them to have a better hand or like, they would have had to make like a bad play where they like, you know, like they called a pre-flop raise with like, right. you know, king two and caught two pair or something like that. You know what I mean? Like, right. I right. don't mind. I don't mind folding a better, a better hand and waiting for a better opportunity. And this may just all hmm. be like kind of like basic poker I don't know, for people who are more involved or like study the game of poker, this is probably like, yeah, this is basic knowledge. That's how you're <laughs> supposed to play poker. But it's like, I don't know. I don't I don't I don't study it. This is things that I'm discovering through playing it on my own. You know what I mean? I'm not like yeah. studying theory on poker. Yeah. I'm just kind of like learning it, learning it on my own. And then something that like, how do I like like what's the best way to maximize the value of like a hand that you have? And I'm talking about all these things in terms of poker, but also like how they, how I can apply them to life. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah, 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 for sure. You know what I mean? Like, so like the last one, how, how can I maximize the value of this hand? Right. Like depending on the situation, depending on something, but if you have like, you know, if you have like aces pre-flop, right, that's the best hand you could possibly have. So in like mm -hmm. certain situations, it's probably best to go all in right away and make somebody else because anybody who calls you is making a bad call at that point. Right? They are anyone that calls you is behind. Is behind. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. And that yeah. doesn't mean you're always gonna win. But like, you know, mm -hmm. when you get to a certain point in the blind structure of the of yeah. the tournament, you know what I mean? I'm not saying do that early, like doing that sure. early. Like I will fold pocket aces early in a tournament. If someone like set like first pre flop, pre flop. If someone goes all in, it, I if someone I goes all I, in, I don't know about that one. It's oh. it's it's not the right move. Nobody who plays poker will tell you it's the right move, right? Mm -hmm. But if I'm playing a deep tournament, deep stacked, mm -hmm. uh, and it also depends like if a bunch of people call or if it's heads sure, up. Sure, you know what I mean? Sure. Or like what the situation is. But I feel like I'm long term. I feel like long term I'm going to be a better player than most of the other players, right? So why okay. so what pocket aces even if you're 
you know, like against whatever, even if it's a 60% chance that you win, you know what Mm -hmm. I mean? I feel like I have a better than 60% chance of making money or whatever, you know, like ending up better long-term than just that one single hand. And I'm just saying like very, cause you know, like I'm playing free roll online. There are people who just push. There are people who just push, push immediately. Right. They just they just put all in every single hand. Doesn't matter. So I'm playing against complete random nonsense. And it's just like and then you don't know what's going to come up on the board. So pre flop aces is just like, all right, you have the best hand, but anything could happen after the flop. So I play those. Sure. I play those cautiously early and play them more aggressively later when it's like, okay, people start you people need to like you know, make decisions on like kind of like getting their yeah. stacks prepared. Yeah. And, the, and, and it's, it's interesting because, you know, that can, there's not only the cards that you're playing, but you're also playing the people. So like, if you've established yourself as someone that can be bullied out of a pot early, then as things start to tighten up, you exactly. may get a little looser. Uh-huh. I, I get that. I get yeah. that. And 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 you run into a situation where you you have been dominated and they decide to make a move on you. I I get that. I get that. Yeah. Um, picking. I don't spots. know about folding aces pre-flop. First I don't know if I could ever do that. First hand of a tournament where you know you can outplay everybody later. I don't know that I could do that because here's here's where that here's where I uh, mathematically people who like play part will probably tell you that like that's the wrong move mm-hmm. you know what i mean like i i'm, I'm yeah i'm pretty sure that's the wrong but move. like statistically in, uh, in a yeah. in a tournament where it's about survival where it's about like you know getting to a certain point where like you have you know like i don't know what's the what's like the life metaphor for this you know like that's so, really here, that's really why I'm trying to talk about poker to like compare no, I, to make the make the comparisons to life, not just to be like, oh, here's what I could learn about how I play poker, but like how I yeah, can like but I I'm putting my like I'm putting my therapist hat on here. I think this tells me that you're not living I'm too in the cautious. Moment. I'm too cautious. Yeah, well well that you're not living in the moment. Yeah. If you're constantly thinking and preparing yourself for for what could possibly happen next, you're missing what's happening now. Like, okay, yeah. If someone goes all but, in, but also here's the thing, right? Okay, mm-hmm. if if we're playing a cash game and somebody goes all in and I have aces, of course I'm calling, right? Sure, you can, you can buy back in, sure. But mm-hmm. we're talking about a tournament where when you lose, you're out. Okay. So sure. thinking in the moment is just like if if there's a th- so like let's just say you have you have aces against any two random cards, you know what I mean? You like I don't know what the math is, but it's not it's not like you have a ninety percent chance of winning against most hands. You probably than sixty though. Pre flop, it's probably sixty. I mean, against like I don't know, there's probably like a math poker calculator that we have here, but like if <laughs> you know that we could find. But like, think about it in terms of like if you want to make a a life decision, right? If there's like a sixty forty, and you're going to like lose your life, like if I flip the coin. And like, if it came up head, like, or whatever, there's a 60% chance of you getting $10 million. It, and a, it's 81. 
Yeah. Against what? Any two random cards? This is um oh I'm so, I'm sorry. I take that back. That's solely against Kings. Yeah. Um, uh-huh. Because you only have, you know, you only have two outs. Or, you know, flush draws or whatever. Yeah, it's it's even better actually. Um if you're up against one player, yeah. um pre-flop your your odds with aces uh, is 85%. Okay. So if you're one, um, yeah. Once you add in more players, your odds in almost all scenarios decrease, um, but not by a ton. Okay, so eighty-five is a lot different. Uh, I I uh, concede the point that I'm probably being a little too. <laughs> that probably it's being a little cautious. Folding pocket aces uh, when someone else goes all in against you uh, firsthand is is probably the wrong move. <laughs> It's probably most definitely it's a little cautious. It's a little uh, the wrong move and is and is over cautious. But you get what I mean. You know what I mean. I, I prioritize. I understand your. I prioritize your survival. I prioritize sticking around. I prioritize like kind of like maximizing value when the when the time is right. You know. Sure, sure. But from a life lesson standpoint, I think sometimes you got to recognize when you have the nuts. I mean that's also true. You know, yeah, you know, like sometimes you got to know I have the best hand right now. Well, and, yeah. and what... when, but there's also a difference between like having the best hand right now and having a hand that is worthy of putting your life on the line for. You know sure. what I mean? Because like you could sure. flop, you could flop top pair, top kicker, but there could be draws out there where like. You know, I don't want to put right. my life on the line right now because somebody could make a call that's technically bad, but suck out on me. Sure. And then sure. you're out, you know? So yeah. it's like that's, yeah, it's like kind of like, I don't know. This is all probably just very basic poker theory in terms of like <laughs> playing, playing, uh, playing tournament poker specifically. But well, like I look at, I look at how I've changed as a poker player too. Um, cause I'm, I, I still, play like bi-weekly online with friends um and you know i've been playing with i've been playing poker in various levels of seriousness and and things like that with these people for 20 years at this point yeah <laughs> um, since college that's yeah so like um you know i think i think we all like kind of kind of know each other as players but i think the way the ways that I have changed now are I was a much more aggressive player when I was younger and I was a much, it was much harder for me to fold a hand without. Yeah. Because even though, like, even if I knew it wasn't necessarily the right decision, I could, I could convince myself, like you do have ways to win this. Mm -hmm. Um, Whereas now I would much rather push with what I know I have the best hand versus seeing one more card and then being pushed. Like I, I would rather make my opponent make the decision. Yes. Uh-huh. Than me have to make a decision. You know what I, I mean? I mean, that's the best. That is all. That is the best way to play poker. 
and and like that's again, like again, that's these, like these, right out of super system things. that is yeah. right out of super system a book that i did read many <laughs> right, many years right. ago right so like but like that's that's very that's a that's a departure from the, the way i used to play um you know my my personal pet hand was a terrible hand um two six offsuit yeah terrible you would always hand, you would always play it, it always played it and here's the difference also in like when you play poker either for fun like i'm not playing for any money or you play with mm -hmm. friends even if you're playing for money you play like you know a couple what'd you say like a couple times a month you know yeah yeah you could fuck around with stuff like that we're not right. trying to grind out a lit like when you're trying to grind out a living doing something it's like all right sure. i need to make the the best like mathematical decision every single time right you know right. you can like you can fuck around and play two six offsuit, you know, yeah. if you if you want. And then like when you get lucky, you get to have a fun little a fun oh my little, God, that's fun. Yeah. You play it all the time and you have a fun little story, you know? And yeah, you know, theoretically, uh in the right sir, if even if you were a professional poker player, if you had a I'm going to play two six offsuit every single time rule, that's fine because I'm sure you're going to play it, and then if you don't hit anything on a flop, you're probably going to get off of it. Or if players know that about you, and there's Every two and a six on the two, board, yeah, or, uh -huh, yeah, exactly. There's there's a little bit of once ah, people know ah. that you're Mister Two Six, yeah, yeah, because that's I mean that's that's part of my game too. I think that establishing being like pretty tight or like establishing like you know like. You let like somebody you you give up a hand and somebody like bluffs you out of it, and then like that that puts a little something in them if you're at their table. Oh, yeah, it puts yeah, a little something sure. in them for later on that they think that they can they can they can push you around and eventually they're gonna push at the wrong time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I would say, and again, these are elementary. Um, you know, rules and ideals, but I think I've gotten to the point now where I don't want to give away any information. I'll, I'll pay to see your cards yeah. in certain situations, but like, I almost don't want to show my cards unless I think I have the best hand. You know what I mean? Like I, yeah. I would rather, I'd rather fold before, uh, before having to let know, anybody away know that what info. you, yeah, what you stuck around yeah. with. Yeah, but there's, you know, there's the occasion when when you'll pay for info. Yeah, but yeah, ultimately, I'm trying to uh, trying to see how this fits in in with my life. And you did do a little bit of uh, a little bit of, th <laughs> of, of therapy with me to. Yeah, just make me think that I know. need to take a little more chances here and there. Well, it's just about it's it's about not necessarily worrying about what might happen and like worst case scenario, but understanding when you're in a position of strength. I mean, like, that is know? a good yeah. Worrying about worst case scenario, that's it, Keenan. You really <laughs> you really nailed it right there. And worrying about worst case scenario, which is something that I've done since I am a uh, I'm a little child. Yeah, yeah, no, trust me, I, I, I do it too. I definitely <laughs> do it too. But at a certain point, you got to just say, you know what? Yeah, that that could happen, but, but if what I get are all the my odds money in the pot now, 
Yeah. Right. One, what are the odds? And two, like, if I get my money in the pot now, when I know that I have the best hand, I can be okay with losing that hand. Yeah. Because I made the right decision at the time. Yeah. Uh-huh. You know, especially, especially like, when the odds are, uh, are overwhelmingly in your favor. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. The odds are overwhelmingly in your favor that you're having a good time. If you're listening <laughs> to the stretch Four podcast, your weekly look at who yeah. hip hop culture and life, you know what it is. Follow us on Instagram at stretch Four pod. Uh, tell a friend about the podcast and yeah. uh and follow your own heart <laughs> in everything you do this is uh this has been another episode of the stretch four podcast you can catch us again next week same uh maybe the same time where we don't have a set day uh <laughs> whatever uh, yeah uh but the same station you know yeah 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 whenever you get around to listening i will see you then <laughs>